Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God that is over our striving, our rest, our work, our family, our lives. That you speak into each of those. God, thank you for this world that you created and that we live in that is more complex and more miraculous than we could ever imagine. And we thank you that you call us to rest just as you did. We thank you that your burden is light. Help us to relax into that this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, our sermon, uh, the scripture for directly for our sermon, is in the book of Genesis. Genesis starting in chapter 1, and then we'll finish up in chapter 2. Genesis 1, verse 31. So at the very end of the chapter. Genesis 1, 31. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. I shared last year about the start, about the very first celebration of Labor Day. I'm going to give a quick recap of that because this is Labor Day weekend. Um, in the late 1800s, at the height of the Industrial Revolution in the United States, the average American worked 12-hour days and seven days a week in order to eke out a basic living. Despite restrictions in some states, children as young as five or six toiled in mills, factories, and mines across the country, earning a fraction of their adult counterparts' wages. People of all ages, particularly the very poor and recent immigrants, often faced extremely unsafe working conditions with insufficient access to fresh air, sanitary facilities, and breaks. As our economy and our country transitioned to more manufacturing instead of agriculture, labor unions, which had first appeared in the late 18th century, grew more prominent and vocal. They began organizing strikes and rallies to protest poor conditions and compel employers to renegotiate hours and pay. Many of these events turned violent. On September 5, 1882, 10,000 workers took unpaid time off to march from City Hall to Union Square in New York City, holding the first Labor Day parade in U.S. history. This is where the idea of a working men's holiday was born, and it was celebrated on the first Monday in September. It caught on in industrial centers across the country, and many states passed legislation recognizing it. However, Congress didn't pass a law celebrating Labor Day or reforming labor laws immediately. 
It was only in the wake of another massive amount of unrest in an attempt to repair ties with American workers and an attempt to appease them, Congress passed an act making Labor Day a legal holiday. It wasn't until 1916, though, that labor laws were passed to create what we think of as the normal work week. And the truth is that we know much of what happens in the workforce is, is still not fair these days. But that's how we got Labor Day. It was just trying to keep people from complaining, from really getting the laws and the justice that they needed to be treated fairly in the workplace. Labor Day was a placeholder that was meant to distract them from what they really needed. Our society has a way of doing that. We do everything we can to fight slowing down, to fight rest. We have a tendency to want to squeeze everything we can out of other people, out of our environment, out of ourselves. We're culturally like a toddler that is fighting sleep. If you've ever been around one of those people, those little people when they're trying to fight sleep, little ones do almost anything from giving in to rest. They'll cry, fight, come up with a million questions and needs. They'll develop crises that don't really exist. They don't want to give in to what their body really wants and needs. Maybe you find yourself doing this as well, fighting rest, fighting the need to slow down, this pandemic has jolted our schedules. I preached on this back in back in the spring when we were just starting this, and one of our short videos that I recorded includes some information, uh, some thoughts on this, but we've lost our distractions. Lately, I've shared the term weapons of mass distraction um, to describe the way we keep ourselves busy with things like work, with entertainment, with other people with exercising, with school, with things that, that could be good, but we use and engage with them to the point of distraction. We use them to the point of keeping ourselves from listening to the still small voice inside of us. I'll be honest, it seems like a bad idea to me to create the whole world and then to rest. It seems like a bad idea to call creation good, but to call the rest holy. If I had been creating the world, there would clearly have been some next step plans. The moment everything was created, some next strategy, an attitude of, okay, that's done. Now what's next? Let's move on to the next thing. For some of you, maybe there would have been plans for making sure that things didn't go wrong. For others, there would be things to care for, needs to be met. For others, it might would be a list of rules that you need to follow um, that could need to be created uh, for creation to follow so that everything runs smoothly. Others would want to enjoy creation and make some fun plans in this new space for everybody. Others would immediately want to learn and observe all that they could. Whatever your perspective, very few of us would say, all right, this is good. Now let's rest because that's the really holy work. It struck me again this week that God did not need to rest. God is God. God has unlimited resources. 
God could have kept going. The reason God rested was to model that for us, to show that what you create, what you do is good, but resting is holy. Creating, hustling, and striving, achieving is not all that there is. Sabbath literally means cease or desist, or, but it also has roots in the word sanctified. How do we celebrate Sabbath in a world that likes to wear our achievements like badges? How do we celebrate Sabbath in a world that proudly talks of how busy they are all the time? What does Sabbath mean in a culture that has created a whole industry around self-care? Because while Sabbath does care for you, that's not its sole purpose. Just as it's not about avoiding a busy schedule, it's not about face masks or afternoon naps or even a good solid workout. Those things may be part of it, but that's not the heart of it. We were never meant to grind day after day. We have always been more than our greatest achievements, our greatest failures. We follow. We were created in the image of a God who rests. This is our first week in this series of a God who is. And and this week we focus on a God who is resting. A God who says enough, who slows down and, and calls us to do the same. Sabbath shows our belief that we worship a God who is enough for us. Sabbath is a day or a time to stop our work, to stop all of our stuff, and to focus on what God has done. It is enough to rest in God. God is enough to stop our striving. God is enough to believe that the world will not stop when we stop. God is enough so we can slow down to listen to our own bodies, our own hearts, our own minds, our own souls. The world and her people are crying out, exhausted, just like those who fought against labor laws. I think some of those who, some of the push that we've seen during the pandemic against slowing down and and shutting things down. Well, well, I know there's an economic aspect of it, but I but I think some of the outcry is against quite a quietening of life, because we don't want to slow down. We want all we can while we still can. And in that process, we use and abuse our world, and we use and abuse others. Sabbath is given to communities. Every time scripture talks of Sabbath, it is a command for a community. It takes a community to show the importance of slowing down, to be okay with silence, a slower pace. Mosaic Church would be a quietly powerful force in our community if we were to practice Sabbath in our lives. But what does Sabbath look like in the middle of a pandemic? (laughs) What does it mean to follow God who rests right now? Working and doing school from home means less boundaries between all all areas of our lives. I continue to see the trend that some are working more hours than ever, having to find new ways to do the same old work, covering for others who've been let go, covering the the surging amount of work in their industries. And then there are others who are working less when hours have been cut back. And there could be some shame or some fear that's bound up in that. 
Some find themselves surrounded with other people 24-7. School and work are now happening at home and families find themselves on top of one another. Others find themselves more alone than ever. No longer are they able to come and go, see their friends, host guests. Some are not able to eat meals together at work or collaborate as they once did. And in this space of time, even with the diversity of what we're experiencing, I think we need Sabbath even more. In the middle of unending space where we're surrounded by others, we need to find time to be still. We need to carve out moments where we are by ourselves to listen to the voice of God, be intentional with that shower or a few minutes as you wake up or go to bed. In the middle of boundary-less work environments of our home, we need to find time to shut the computer down and be done for the day. Celebrate what has been done and set aside the things unfinished. Say a prayer to thank God for a day of work, a day of school. Pray that God will take those things that are unfinished off of our shoulders for the night and allow us rest, holy rest. In the quiet and in the loneliness, we remembered that we are not really alone. When days look the same, being intentional about celebrating Sabbath gives us a day or blocks of time that have meaning and purpose, and it reminds us what really matters. Sabbath may look like a quiet moment with a cup of coffee earlier in the morning or a quiet moment late at night. It may look like a short walk or longer time intentionally spent out in nature. It may be a nap. It may be giving in and listening to the stress your body is feeling from our world and relaxing into what your body needs at this moment. But it is a heart that sets aside the striving. It is a time intentionally set aside and not something that you just kind of fall into. Sabbath includes an element of being still and listening to what God is saying to you. One of the most transformational books that I've read um, is a book called Running on Empty by Phil Anderson. And it's his story of being a recovering and work, a recovering work and busyness act- addict. He says, for one, I needed to be in constant contact with others. I felt that if I wasn't available, others would forget I existed, or worse, they'd begin thinking that I didn't matter. Feeding this fear was the fundamental belief that I had no real worth apart from the things I accomplished when I was busy. Phil says that at age 21, I was unable to distinguish between my activity and my identity, and so my activity determined my identity. He worked himself into a literal mental and physical breakdown and wound up in a hospital. And there, a doctor told him, God will never love you more or less because of anything you manage or fail to achieve. Sabbath in these unique times really looks like finding ways to remind yourself of that truth. God will never love you any more or less because of anything you manage or fail to achieve. My devotional prayer this morning was actually um, much like what I read in worship last week. 
May this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and my home. May God's image in me be restored. And my imagination in God be restoried. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May I know grace to embrace my own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. That's what Sabbath is about. It's about taking time regularly to remind ourselves of our place in the world and to marvel at God. That is Sabbath. And that's what it means to follow a God who rests. Will you pray with me? God, in a world with so many distractions, I pray that you would help us to be intentional about finding times, moments, minutes, blocks of time, days, whatever we can eke out that are intentionally devoted to listening to you to being reminded of what really matters, to enter into those activities with a sense of awe and worship at who you are, to be reminded that we are not only the things that we achieve in this world. You are a God who teaches us to rest, who models rest for us. As we celebrate this idea of work this weekend and take a break from it. Help us to intentionally think about our lives and how we can slow down, how we can turn the technology off, close the computer down, set the work aside, set the distractions aside and focus on you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.